Hey Mavericks, I am beyond honored and thrilled that we have Tipa Snow as our guest today. We are gonna spend uh, some tough questions. We're gonna get some awesome answers to how we can work better with those living with dementia. And as always, I wanna give a big thank you to our sponsor, it is Applewood Our House, Assisted Living and Memory Care. Um, and they're about engaging residents each and every day. And so at Applewood Our House, they wanna provide moments and capture memories for all of our residents and their families. And I wanna hear a little bit, of, little bit more about Applewood. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to my ever important co-partner here, <laughs> Catherine Wells. <laughs> Hi, Francis. Good to see you. We don't see each other as often no. uh, unless we're on Zoom here or yes. on uh, a Facebook Live. Tipa, so, so honored to meet you today. I, I'm, I've heard so much about you. I've read your website. I've um, experienced some of the things that you talk about through Francis, who's a certified Tifa Snow trainer, is that the right term? Yeah. And uh, my, my mother had Alzheimer's, my father had dementia. And so he taught me things like, put your hand next to your face. And yeah, I know you'll go into some of that, but just some of the little things made such a difference with my family. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for being here with us today. You are so welcome. It's, it's an honor to be asked. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm all about Mavericks because um, I've always been on the cutting edge one way or the other. Yes. Um, because I, you know, I'm not into global deterioration. I'm into positive change because, you know, brains are changing. So let's get on the bus and make some changes. I like that. Brains are changing. I really like that. It's so true. I see it in my children. Um, absolutely. So tell us a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and your background. Ah, well, I'm an occupational therapist um, and I have been around in practice for over 40 years now. Um, and I have done like mm, soup to nuts as far as what my career is involved. I've taught at medical schools. I've also worked in long-term care. I was an NA before there was a C that went in front of it. <laughs> I mean, in a little cinder block nursing home. I've been in and out of long-term care, community care, uh, assisted living, hospice, home care, uh, wellness model, VA medical center, you name it. And if I haven't done it, I know somebody who has. And over the course of my career, I decided brain change is the thing I really get and I'm curious about and I'm committed to because I truly do believe whether it's caused by head injury or developmental disability or whether it's caused by dementia or stress and distress, people are doing the best they can with what they've got until you offer something new in a way they can take it and use it and then all of a sudden things change. Um, and sometimes it's a choice that we make to change. And sometimes people are being forced into change because of circumstances beyond what they can control. And dementia is an example of that. So if a person can't be the way they used to be, then those around acknowledging, wow, this is different uh, and going, okay, well, if they're changing and I wanna stay with them, I've gotta be willing to change. Um, if it's not working, 
why keep doing something that doesn't seem to work and it hurts our relationship and it hurts the person and it bothers me and it's like well we have the power to change it's hard because human brains actually like doing what they already know how to do they have to build new synapses to do it a different way and so that's what happens to us we get into routines and habits and somebody says oh this is the way you should do it and you go uh -uh. and then they say this is a rule and you go oh okay so we start following rules because people who have greater power often tell us what we're supposed to do but then there are some people among us and you know that idea of a maverick and it's like well why why should i do that that doesn't work so you're telling me to do something that's illogical and irrational, and it's not going to come. It's not going to deliver a good outcome. Why should I do that? And so I've always been a bit of that. Well, if you can show me that it helps, I'll I'll think I'll learn anything that is helpful. But I'm not going to do things that seem hurtful, and I'm not going to support a rule just because it's a rule. I'll I'll sort of explore the rule and go. Well, who came up with that rule? I don't think they know what they're talking about who do we go talk to about that rule? Because that's that's an illogical, not functional rule. It, it, and whoever made it didn't know what they were doing. Come on, bring them over, let's look. Yeah, so really, really being curious. Um, Francis is our chief curiosity maverick, so that's his specialty. Being really curious about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how it's helping or not helping, what can we do to improve it? That, it sounds like that's really what you're talking about. I'm, I'm really into empowering people to change. Yeah. And then to do that, we've got to get curious about why they're doing what they're doing and then help them look at what they're doing and explore it. Because yeah. I'm committed to the idea that I can be real compassionate that you believe you're doing and what you're doing, but let's talk about what's happening. Um, because I, I do appreciate you're doing the best you can in that moment, but is it is it getting you what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, a little bit like uh, Dr. Phil has that question. How's it working for you? <laughs> and that's pretty much how's it working for you? And the answer is not well frequently when it comes to dementia. And it's like, okay, well, let's fix, let's fix something. Let's try something anyway. And that leads us into kind of our big first question that with, ever, with you know, more caregivers, care partners being at home with their loved ones living with dementia, what are some tips that we can give them to reduce that stress? Because high stressful situations, you know, can affect both the care partner and the person living with dementia. Yeah, so here's the thing. So look at your two hands. Okay. So if I view myself as the person who's supposed to help you, mm -hmm. and I see you as needing help, okay? okay? So turn your hands toward each other, and I start pushing my help at you, if you don't think you need help, what are you gonna do? Uh, push right back. Push back or? Run. Wanna get out. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is we've said, nope, you gotta stay together. So one of the things we've gotta quit doing is thinking I'm the boss and instead go, hmm, tell me what you're feeling or thinking. So one of the things to do is to stop pushing. Uh, and so we often push things and call it help. But what it actually is, if you look at your hand carefully, it's your agenda. It's what you wanted, what you thought, what you perceived. So let me help you. Sounds real different than, hey, mom, could you help me for a second? True. Wow. I, I recognize. Yeah, I recognize myself in that with the care that I provided to my parents. I wasn't as 
a partner a lot of times. I was definitely pushing my help. That's hey, Mom, could we try something for a minute? I know you're busy doing that, but I could use your help for a second. So that goes off your positive action starters right there. Yeah, it's all about positive action starters. So one of the things of reducing stress is put, quit putting yourself in the situation where you get a pushback. So if somebody tends to say no, then stop asking yes, no questions. Because what are you going to start hearing a lot of? No. Thank you. Not right now. I'll do it later. I told you no. I'll get to it. I don't. I'm not taking. A, so I'm not taking a shower. I'm not hungry. I'm not going to eat that. I don't want to. Because what we're actually struggling with is who's in control of this? And frankly, the answer is neither of us. <laughs> yeah, so it becomes a power struggle when it doesn't have to. It can be a, yeah. a true partnership, yeah. being on the same team. And a lot of times I, I try to imagine myself just next to the person. And I know that's part of your care or your positive care approach is to actually stand next to them. Actually, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, actually take the time to see what they're seeing and hear it from their side. So when somebody says, I don't want to take a shower, instead of going, mom, it has been five days, which is an explanation of why you have the agenda you have. Mm -hmm. Instead you go, you're not wanting a shower. Yeah. And I'm asking you to do something you don't want to do. Mom, can you help me understand something? Tell me a little bit about the shower. Is it getting wet or just doing it at all? Because what I want to start recognizing is my mother is not a blank canvas that I get to paint on. You know, this my mom is who she's been, but she's changing. And if she I need to find out what it is that's keeping this from happening. I've got to truly pull out my curiosity and think, is it something in her background? Is it something in our relationship? I mean, if I just were to say, hey, Francis, how about you get your clothes off and I'll help you get cleaned up right now? How, ma how many how are you, Kat? Uh, Kat? Do you think you'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. No, I'm going to look at you like you have three heads probably and be like, what? <laughs> and it's like, well, but you told me you told me that you would let me help you get cleaned up earlier. What do you think well, your reaction to that would be without thinking? No, I didn't say that. Totally I mean, we went through this whole thing. And this is my memory is better than your memory. It's like, yeah, that's called part of having many forms of dementia. My memory is different than yours. So trying to pull out a memory piece that I know you don't have. Ooh, there we go again. So moving away from that model, it's so hard though. Yeah, it is. And, and I know that you do training. I, um, do you do training for the people at home or for care staff at communities or everybody? Um, there isn't anybody I've been unwilling to work with. Um, and so basically about 50% of what we do is for family support individuals because they provide in essence, approximately 80% of all care when it comes yeah. to them. Yeah. family or friends, they're delivering it. Um, so I think there's such an underestimation of how long they've been in this before they often ever seek support because at first it seems like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And, and you know, it doesn't seem that bad often. And yet you're, you're suddenly finding yourself in the middle of this stuff and going, I don't know what to do with her. I mean, she's just gotten, and the phrase I hear a lot is she's just gotten so mean or she's gotten yeah, yeah. so argumentative or she's starting to not, I mean, she's never been like this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 
And what it means is I'm hitting the brick wall as a care partner. I'm starting, I'm not a partner anymore. I'm a giver and she noticed (laughs) trying to give her care. That's really good. And when I think about the, the idea of being a caregiver versus a care partner, I didn't even know I was in that role or in the realm of that role for eight years. It, uh-huh. it was, and you were developing these habits. Yeah. So, it just yes. if, you're, if your mom or your dad was not a strong leader, they let you for quite some time sort of just gradually take on more and more. And it wasn't until you suddenly looked up and went, I don't have a life anymore. This is, I mean, if I'm not going to work and I'm not taking care of the kids, this is what I'm doing. I mean, I, where is my life? And the answer is, well, we, we, we sort of skipped that part because <laughs> we got so, we got so involved and nobody told us, oh, it's a marathon and they saved the hills for the last and there's no downhill at the end. No. Run my half marathons, I'm here to tell you. I have run those half marathons where they put all those near the end. It's like, who's in charge of this marathon? What were they thinking? And then the worst part that you just said is there's no downhill at the end. There isn't. And that's, you know, as this becomes more and more, I'm thinking it's not that bad, it's not bad. And then somewhere about halfway through it hits me, this is 24 seven. If I walk away, she doesn't know the next thing to do. I mean, if I sit her at the table and step away, she doesn't just eat the stuff. She just takes it and moves it around or she gets up and leaves and follows me or she eats just the sweet stuff and leaves all the protein. I mean, I'm starting to recognize I can't not be there, but I can't be there all the time. I can't do 24 seven. No human can do 24 seven for any length of time. No, nor should you. (laughs) And right now, I am extremely concerned about families who are sheltering together with someone who's living with dementia because we've stripped them of all other resources. We have literally stripped them of every other resource they had. And we told them, in your house, you must work, take care of your children, and do dementia care. All in the same place that you have your own sanctuary for yourself. What sanctuary? (laughs) I go in the bathroom and lock the door, and people are like, how much longer are you going to be? I need your help. Mom? Mom, yeah. mom, <laughs> and the person's going, are you in there? Where did you go? I'm going, I'm going to go out in the car. No, no, I'm coming. Don't get, don't. Like, oh, Have okay. you been to my house? <laughs> it's like, hey, mommy, grandma's fixing something on the stove. Oh, shit, she's working. Oh, my God. And that, those constant surprises that are like, where you catch your breath, well, that puts out cortisol. Before we were talking about stress levels, cortisol is what happens when humans feel at risk or endangered. Mm -hmm. And when I keep encountering one thing after another and I can't get my feet under me and get my balance, that's when cortisol sheets out the roof and exposure to cortisol over a period of time is harmful to human beings. It affects our immune system. Um, It actually affects our overall fitness and wellness. It increases risk of diabetes, hypertension, cancer, stroke, heart attack. It affects our glucose metabolism. It affects our sleep, our our brain activity. Um, It depletes us. And And we think about that in the context of our older adults who are also not only sheltering at home with family, but in a community who can't see their family unless it's on a computer screen or through a window right now. I had a friend this morning. She asked me, 
when was the window if I wanted to go take mom out of the community and bring her home? When was my window? And the window, um, well, number one, one of the first questions is, did you actively seek healthcare power of attorney? Do you have it? Right. Do you have an official document that indicates you are her healthcare power of attorney? Without that official documentation, the facility could push back because they're liable. I mean, they are responsible for allowing you to take her out. So in general situations, daughter, you know, yeah, you pay the bills, it's all fine. In this situation, they would have to make sure you had it. So first window, did you did you fill in the forms and have that on file? Because now is a little late to be filling out the forms. So yeah. the window has the potential to have already closed if you don't have that documentation. That's really important. Go ahead, Francis. But is that, <clears throat> as we talked earlier, and maybe this is probably a good question to bring in, is is that really the best thing for both of them, though? Or is it better? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's a knee jerk. So if you're going to make, put your hands to your heart and go, if it's a heart first decision, then please use your head. And so the head part is, okay, how prepared are you to right. do 24 seven care? Right. What's your physical space like? Who else is in that physical space? What is your physical health and mental health like? How long has it been since you've had this role, if ever? How has her need set shifted or changed and are you able to meet those needs in a reasonable fashion or has your support been more social and engagement but not hands-on care of this human body that's experiencing the changes that come with dementia and possibly some other health considerations right because yeah. trying to get support in a home setting at this moment in time ooh, that's yeah. That could be yeah. well, and that brings up kind of a question from one of our audience that we talked about right before we got on on the air was how, what the tips of social distancing for residents that are living together in assisted living with you know with dementia. Okay, do you want my my gut level brain? Absolutely, that's what you're known for. I can step back, but yeah. the answer is it doesn't work. It's not going to work. So let's quit trying to pretend like it can. Um, the message that came down from CDC was not family members. We want you to take your toddlers and put them in this bedroom and your teenagers and put them in that bedroom. And we want you to put your school age child in that bedroom. And then we want you to lock the doors and we want you to go in and out every hour for about five minutes to provide support. Mm -hmm. would, would anybody ask a parent to put children in separate spaces and only check on them about five minutes an hour and during that time get all the care you need done and they'll be fine in between time no why not it would trigger isolate i mean the things that could go wrong and isolation the, the physical so i have somebody who's got brain failure now their brain failure is pretty severe mm -hmm. and they are chair bound or bed bound and they can only use their hands to grab and hold on, or they can rock or they can sing, but they can't get items and move them around. They have monocular vision. They, yeah. they basically are fairly reliant on someone else to engage with them and to engage in the environment safely. 
I have other another person who can do things, but the kind of things they like to do are. <laughs> oh, wait, see that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and oh, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to take. Yeah, where I really like people and. And then I've got still others who are like, listen, I need to talk to my son because he put me in here and I need him to come get me because there are people that have a virus and they're trying to kill people and I need to get out of here. So I am not at all saying people living with dementia are like children, but I'm saying the reason people were placed in assisted living settings or in memory care settings was because we recognize they need support to live well. Okay. And then there's this mandate that says, and so we're going to keep them in their individual rooms, eliminate all social engagement, except that which you can give through a doorway or your five minutes a, an hour or whatever it's going to be. And the staff have to suit up, glove up. And it's like, where's the supplies coming from? Where's the time coming from? And what's happening in between time? So my honest answer is it's a ridiculous, it's the impossible with the inadequate, unsupported, and it's wrong. I agree and with you 100%. I, there's no way around that. Somebody, I mean, I am pushing hard. I'll speak truth to power because I've been doing this 40 years and I can tell you, we have a history. We've done this before. We did restraint use and it resulted in four out of five people in a nursing home dying due to their restraint use. So you know what? You're so worried about COVID. People are dying due to isolation and not being able to monitor them and provide the support that is needed at the level that it is needed. And staff are being held accountable for something that they have no control over. And then because they are going to walk in when somebody's trying to get up out of a chair without putting all their in all their gear on, then it's like, oh, jeez, oh, ma, 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 Mary, 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 hang on, wait, 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 wait. She's either going to crack her head because she tries to get up and I don't get there quick enough or I get there and put my hands on her. Unfortunately, I was just with John down the hall who's recovering, but, and so we're going to, we're going to put these people truly in a situation. The care partners, I truly believe, are trying their best with, but they're being oh, sad. Yes. And yeah. so we need to use the common space as common space. What we need to redo is say, okay, put your arms out like you're like you're making a big circle out from your body. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. This is the splash zone for these droplets. Mm -hmm. Okay, when, as far out as you could reach. That's about as far as you can send droplets, unless you're really good at spitting watermelons. <laughs> okay. Now you can a sneeze will go further, but you yeah. know, other than that, typically this is the zone. If you take your fingertips and put them out to mine, double the splash zone, mm -hmm. that's gonna keep both of us fairly safe. It's even safer if we turn my splash zone and put it across your splash zone because the only thing that's going to splash is the tabletop and I can clean that. Mm. So what we need to do is really build in a realistic plan for using the space we have and the people we have and the time we have and the resources we have. Acknowledging, you know what, if we do this well, the risk of transmission is actually lower than if we do it the way we're doing it which is stressing 
the system out. And at some point, we're going to have to admit there is not a magic wand that comes with being a healthcare provider, that the healthcare provider should do everything and everybody else should just stay at home. I'm sorry. Our brains are capable of changing and, and developing abilities. What each individual has to weigh is what are my risk factors and how much risk am I willing to take for me and what skills do I need to build so I don't put you at risk? And then we need to bring these people back together who've been together for years sometimes, months at least, and quit saying it's you guys alone and I'm not part of it. I've been part of someone's life and your life even for quite some time. Let's figure this out and let's quit creating laws or rules that don't work. Yeah. I think, um, thank you for answering Malou's question. And Malou, that's an excellent question. And it's what so many people are wondering, even families who are thinking my loved one is in there and I can't see them. What are they doing? How are they managing this? I and, think, Tifa, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. The only thing I was going to say is, and now in addition to everything I'm supposed to get done, I'm trying to figure out when and how I have time to make sure the device is clean, take it in, hold it and control it for someone who doesn't recognize the person on the phone and without some additional skill building, which would be, this is my friend here because I don't have any friends in here. Let me see if I can bring them over. Yeah, you're good. We see him. Yeah. Yeah. So this is my friend who's who's not able to speak or or interact, but they do have this this lovely hand. And what I could do is say, Look who's here. Look, you know what? They're going to sing something that you love. Listen, we're, we're going to listen. Ooh, ooh, it's I love you, a bushel and a peg. Yeah, you recognize that. So helping families recognize that when someone doesn't recognize your face, music or song may still be a way to connect, but that means I as the care partner have to be present and accounted for, and I have to help you first recognize that I'm here and then recognize this little thing is here. And that that little thing has, yeah. has image someone that they actually do know. And then yeah. I can say, you know what? I'm gonna set this here so they can watch us here you go yeah yeah so your mom has been doing pretty well with drinking you know she actually had about you know she drank the whole thing of water i wanted you to know that because i know you were worried about her getting enough hydration yeah but that's, i mean that's a lot of skill development for everyone right yeah and that's go ahead catherine uh, so before we went on air, we were talking about that very thing. What are the skills that people need to develop? And it's not just the care staff, because the care staff has their education. Um, but how, how about the family? What can we be learning right now that can help us when we are able to go Okay, see? so one of the most important things is that how does this COVID spread? And it spreads with, as I said, with air droplets, with these little droplets. So one of the things that it's important is we've got to stop this stupid thing. Don't touch your face. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you guys that instruction. And then I'm going to say, have something to eat. <laughs> okay, how about you, how about you uh, have a sniffle and you're going to blow your nose? But don't use, don't use your hands. <laughs> I mean, okay, so here's the deal. Take your hands and put them and get them up. These are the things you do everything with. I mean, there are your tools for interacting with others. Yeah. with yeah. your for your self-care and, and for the my hair everything that you do yeah. so here's the deal we teach hand washing and we've been learning a lot about how to wash our hands well you know people got that but what we don't do is embed it in every interaction what we need to practice is i wash my hands before i wash my hands before i touch myself and then I wash my hands before I touch you. And then I wash my hands before I touch the stuff we share. And then I wash my hands. So every time I start something, the very first initiating step is clean your hands. Clean your hands. And the second one is don't stick your face in people's intimate space. <laughs> I mean, when you lead with your heart, you end up sticking your face in here. Or when you want to share something, you end up leaning in. And instead, get better at, hey, Catherine, coffee or something else? Something else. Something else. Hmm. Something hot or something cold? Probably something cold. Something cold. Ooh. Water or an, or some other drink? Water, actually. Water. Ooh, with ice or no? No. No. Okay. I'll be right back. So if I'm coming into your space and coming into your world, learning how to offer and get what you need before I enter your space, because once I enter, I'm going to have to... Wash in and wash out, basically. Yeah. And I'm using then a lot of, so if I get into these habits of making sure, if you can communicate at that distance, use that distance because then I can get information so that when I come in, I have what you need. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's so important. And, and yeah, that, those tips are so great. I, I, I can't thank you enough that for the time. And I mean, this is just such a breath of fresh air because I love your your approach and your perspective. I think now more than ever is yeah. the need to think outside the box and, and take the steps that you've taught about the positive approach and how you position in supportive versus confrontational. All those things are more important than ever. So I truly appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you guys for being open to the message that's different because until we're willing to be different, we can't make a difference. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And as you always, I think you end with most of your stuff until there's a cure, there's care, right? And that goes for COVID just as much as dementia. That's right. There's a, there's one last question from Malou, throw the box away, right? I'm not sure what that means. Was that part of our conversation right there? I would say what we try to do is put people in a box. Oh, right. Ah, thank you, Malou. Thank we've you. Got all the rules. So we've got all these box rules yeah. and it's like, what the heck? Who yeah. thought this was a good idea? Well, it's not. <laughs> you know, let's, and you know, I'm willing to go up with folks. I don't want to fight with them. I want them to look at what they're doing to people and acknowledge this isn't working. Yeah. 
And if you don't want to do it, then fine, step away and let those of us who do have the ability and the interest do what needs to be done. Because frankly, letting people die out of ignorance is not a way to go. And letting people die lonely is ridiculous. Yeah, and alone. Alone, yeah, it's ridiculous. I think that is a great spot to end on is that we need to do better and now is the time to do better. So thank you again. Incredible. Yes. Thank you so much. And we had so many people online watching. Um, and and I think you know most of them or many of them, but they know you at least. Uh, yeah, seen you thank inside. you so, so much. Apparently people watch YouTubes a lot. And apparently yeah. they binge. I've heard rumors. <laughs> Uh, You've yeah. heard rumors. You've yeah. heard rumors. Well, yeah. you're impacting so many people's lives. Yeah. Keep keep doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Thank